It's no small thing for Jesus to declare, I am the light of the world. The statement alone suggests we live in a dark world, stained by sin and rebellion against Almighty God. Any moment during a 24-hour news cycle is convincing proof of the looming darkness. Murderers and thieves, rapists and child abusers, terrorists, wars, and rumors of wars. When will it ever end? Honesty compels us to admit there are dark places in our own heart and that sometimes we allow ourselves to go there. Our only hope is this, in him was life and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness does not overcome it. I'm Ron Jones, something good starts right now. Hello and welcome to this Thursday edition of Something Good with Dr. Ron Jones. I'm Brian Davis, always glad to have you with us. When Jesus said, I am the light of the world, he was not only telling us something about himself, but about the dark and desperate world in which we live. Today on Something Good, Ron sheds a little light on the subject as he continues his series, Why Jesus? Seven Reasons He is Still the One and Only. To listen anytime on demand, visit somethinggoodradio.org. That's somethinggoodradio.org. And stick around after today's message when Ron joins me to talk about an important new resource he wants to share with you. But first, let's join him as he takes us to John chapter 8. But first, let's join him as he takes us to John chapter 8 for his message, The Light of the World. We're in a series of messages titled, Why Jesus? Seven Reasons He is Still the One and Only. And as I said in week one, we're... We're in the Gospel of John, and we're letting Jesus answer that question in his own words. I'm I'm trying as best as I can to step out of the way and and let him answer the question in his own words. So we're looking at the seven I am statements of Jesus, which John uniquely records in his Gospel. Last week, um, we discovered that Jesus is still the one and only because he says, I am the bread of life. And this week, we want to turn our attention to John chapter 8, and uh, verse 12 will be our summary verse. And I want to suggest to you that Jesus is still the one and only after all these years, because the Bible says Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. You know, it's hard to imagine living in a world without light, isn't it? But I want to take you back to the beginning. The beginning as it's recorded here in our Bibles in the book of Genesis where it says, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. The Bible tells us in the creation story that the first act of creation was when God said, let there be light. You back up from there in the creation story, and the Bible tells us that darkness, complete and total darkness, covered the earth. Have you ever experienced complete, I mean, pitch black darkness? We live in a modern era where we enjoy the conveniences of, well, light on demand, thanks to a guy named Thomas Edison who's credited with inventing the light bulb. Uh, 
of taking the light that God created and, and taking the matter that he created and rearranging it a little bit. Edison didn't create anything. He invented something. God alone is the creator, right? Edison just took the matter that was existing and he rearranged it a little bit and, and now we have light bulbs. You and I literally walk into a room and on demand we flick on the switch as long as the electrical grid in our great nation stays in good working order, and as long as we pay our light bills, we have light on demand, don't we? But have you ever experienced complete and total darkness? Catherine and the kids and I did a few years ago when we were on a family vacation. We were living in Texas at the time, and we were coming back from Colorado, driving back from, um, from Colorado, and we decided to stop off uh, just outside of Austin, Texas, in a place called the Inner Space Caverns. Back in 1963, the Texas Highway Department was taking core samples from that area for a, a future highway project, the I-35 project that goes through there, and they discovered these incredible caverns just beneath the surface of the earth. And three years later, they opened up the Inner Space Caverns for public viewing. Well, we stopped off there. Uh, because it's a great destination, great little tourist site, and we joined one of the little tour groups, and our tour guide took us deep, deep, deep into the belly of the earth. And the caverns were beautiful, just as they were advertised. They were stunning. But it was a kind of a dark and damp place. They had, they had to put lights down there, because there are no lights deep into the belly of the earth. And our tour guide did something uh, that was a little bit disturbing. We, we went as far as we could into the belly of the earth, and we went into this large cavernous room, the biggest cavern they discovered below the surface of the earth there, and she turned out the lights, every one of them. And it got about as silent as it just did in this room. I mean, it was the most eerie feeling. It was complete and total darkness. And it lasted only for about 30 seconds, but, but you, could, you could feel people around you sort of fidgeting. And when she turned the lights back on, uh, everybody breathed a sigh of relief. We chuckled a little bit, and everybody started applauding. Why? Because, well, we love the light, don't we? And, and we're made for the light. God said, let there be light. Uh, total and complete darkness is, is, is a very, very unsettling thing. Uh, I, I read that um, experts tell us that there are, there are some places on the earth where the days are short and the nights are longer. Have you ever traveled to one of those places? And people living in those places where it's mostly nighttime, they experience something called seasonal affective disorder or SAD, also called uh, uh, the winter blues. And, and they tell us that the, the lack of exposure to sunlight actually creates a mild depression in human beings. Can you imagine that? Well, I want to suggest to you that what's true physically about our exposure to sunlight is also true spiritually, that the lack of exposure to the sunlight, I'm talking about the Son of God who claimed to be the light of the world, the lack of exposure to the sunlight makes us more than just sad. It, it negatively affects us, and, and that brings us to this Second I am statement found in John chapter 8. Let me read it for you again. It says in verse 12, And Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. 
Now, Bible scholars believe that Jesus spoke these words at something known as the Feast of Tabernacles. In Jewish religious life, there were several feasts or festivals that they celebrated dating back to the Old Testament times. They still celebrate them today, like Passover and, well, another one was the Feast of Tabernacles. The Feast of Tabernacles celebrated God's provision for the Israelites during the 40 years of wilderness wandering. And one of the things God provided for the Israelites during that time was a directional light, a pillar of fire by night and a pillar of cloud by day. And so the Feast of Tabernacles celebrates that and other things that God did for the Israelites during those 40 years of wilderness wanderings. Well, on the first night of the Feast of Tabernacles, they, they, they have something called the illumination of the temple. And this is where religious leaders would erect these large candelabras. Think of a, of a giant Olympic torch, only several of them. And they would light up the temple. And historians tell us that during the Feast of Tabernacles, on the first night during the illumination of the temple, the blaze of light was seen all over Jerusalem. And many scholars believe that it could have been at that exact moment, on the first night of the Feast of Tabernacles, during the illumination of the temple, that Jesus stepped into that scene and said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness but will have the light of life. What did he mean by that? Seems like a strange thing to say, doesn't it? Was Jesus saying, I'm a light bulb? No. <laughs> no, he's speaking metaphorically here. And so we need to unpack that metaphor a bit. But certainly it was no small thing when Jesus said, I am the light of the world, because in one sense he was suggesting you and I live in a very dark dark world, spiritually speaking. John chapter 1, verses 3 through 5, uh, the, the apostle John writes of Jesus and says, in him was life, and the life was the light of men. He goes on to say, the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not overcome it. Uh, did not overcome it. Yeah, we, we live in a, in a very dark world, spiritually speaking. And if you have any doubts about that, just, just flip on the 24-hour news channels. And it just seems to be one dark story after another, murderers and thieves, uh, rapists and child abusers, terrorists, wars and rumors, just one story, one dark story after another. And if we're honest with ourselves, we've got to look inside our own human heart and admit there are some dark places in our own heart. Oh, we keep them concealed from everybody else as best as we can, but there are some dark places there. And, and every once in a while, we go to that dark place, don't we? Jeremiah the prophet diagnosed the human heart many centuries ago. He said, Jeremiah 29 and verse 11, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can understand it? He could have just as easily said that the human heart is a very dark place where sin resides. Uh, Jesus diagnosed the human heart as a dark and wicked place. Matthew chapter 15 and verse 19, for out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false witness, slander. Do you want him to go on? I mean, all of that is in our hearts. It starts in the human heart, a dark, dark place where we need the, the light of the world, who is Jesus Christ, to shine, to shine. Not, not just in a dark cavern below the surface of the earth, but in a dark, dark place deep down in our hearts. 
Well, before we go too far into that dark place, let's unpack this light metaphor a little bit. What did Jesus mean when he said, I am the light of the world? Certainly not, I am a light bulb or or a light switch. He says, I am the light of the world. Four things I want to suggest to you, he is saying, number one, I am God. Still ahead, the second half of today's message with Dr. Ron Jones, lead pastor at Atlantic Shores Baptist Church in Virginia Beach, Virginia. Listen to Ron's messages on demand at somethinggoodradio.org. That's somethinggoodradio.org. When you stop by, check out Something Good Courses, where you'll find Starting Point, A Disciple's First Steps, a free online discipleship coaching experience created by Dr. Ron Jones. That's Starting Point, A Disciple's First Steps where you'll discover what being a disciple of Christ is all about and learn how to help others grow in their faith. Is your world filled with shadows today? God invites you to lose them in the light. Here's Ron with the rest of today's message, The Light of the World. 1 John chapter 1 and verse 5, and we're going to be going back and forth between the Gospel of John and 1 John, but 1 John chapter 1 and verse 5 says, God is light. And again, that's not saying that he's a light bulb, but we're speaking metaphorically here. God is light. The same God who spoke light into existence, who chased away the darkness that hovered over the face of the earth back in Genesis chapter 1. God is light. When Jesus said, I am the light of the world, believe me, all the Jewish leaders of that time, they, they, they downloaded all of their own Old Testament understanding of who God was. They, they knew exactly what Jesus was saying. For example, Psalm chapter 27 and verse 1 says, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Isaiah 60 and verse 19 declares, the Lord will be your everlasting light. The prophet Micah says, when I sit in darkness, the Lord will be a light to me. Even Job, Job said, by his light, I walked through darkness. And so when Jesus said, I am the light of the world, he was declaring that that he does the work that only God can do. Remember I said at the beginning of this series, there are some people who say, oh, Jesus never claimed to be God. That's just something that the the early apostles trumped up to, to enlarge his persona. No. In every one of these I am statements, the Jews got it. That, that's why they eventually drove him to the cross. They, they thought he was committing blasphemy. They understood when he said, I am the light of the world. He's saying, I do the work that only God can do. I am God. But there's something else he's saying in this. He's also saying, I am holy. I am holy. Uh, light in the Bible is a metaphor of, of the character of God. John loves to interplay between light and darkness in his gospel. But I, I am holy. I, I dwell in the, in the pureness of absolute light and holiness. Again, 1 John 1 and verse 5, God is light, and in him there is no darkness at all. Not a smidgen of darkness. Not a shadow. Not not anything related to the darkness is part of God's character. God and Jesus is not Darth Vader. He's not the mayor of Gotham City. He he is the light of the world, and there's there's not a hint of darkness anywhere in him. He he is the most holy and, and, and pure being we will ever encounter. Five seconds in his presence 
And you'll be changed because we are so unlike him. Oh, as believers in Jesus Christ, we are being changed into the image of Christ. But that's, that's a lifetime of process, isn't it? It's called sanctification. And we ain't there yet, right? At least I'm not. But he, he is holy. Thirdly, he's saying, I am truth. John chapter 3, verse 21, Jesus says, Whoever lives by the truth, listen to this, comes into the light. So when Jesus says, I am the light of the world, he's kind of saying what he says in another I am statement that we'll talk about in a few weeks. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes to the Father but by me. And what strange words those are, those are in a culture like ours that says, ah, there is no truth, or like Pilate did 2,000 years ago, kind of scoffs at the idea and says, now oh, what is truth? Your truth is your truth. My truth is my truth. I'm okay, you're okay, what's, what's true for you and works for you, works for you, what, what works for me, works for me. It's called moral relativism, and that's a dark, dark place to go. That's a dark way to navigate your way through life, and you don't know what's right and wrong. You don't know what's true and false. You don't have a light to guide you through the darkness because you believe there, there is no there's nothing that can be nailed down and said, this is… No, Jesus comes along and says, I am the light of the world. I am, I am truth. Darkness hides the truth. Light exposes the truth. There in John chapter 3, verses 19 and 20, Jesus says, light has come into the world, but people love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come to the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. Why are people pushing against Christianity so strongly in our culture today? Because when the light of the world shows up, or one of his representatives like us that we'll talk about in a little bit, when the light of the world shows it, it exposes the darkness. And Jesus says, you know, people love the darkness rather than the light. You ever seen what happens when you turn the lights on and the cockroaches scatter? They don't like the darkness or, or the light. They prefer the darkness. So Jesus says, I am God, I am holy, I am truth. Fourthly, I am hope. I'm hope. Uh, think of a, a, a dark and tragic time that maybe you experienced recently or you read about or you watched on a news channel. You ever notice how as human beings we, we go and we light candles in times like that as a way of trying to hold on to hope? Or maybe you're going through a difficult time and you say, oh, but I, but I see a light at the end of the tunnel. It's kind of your way of saying, I'm going to get through this dark time and light is coming. It's, it's, how, we, it's how we speak of, of hope and we keep that hope alive. Somebody once said, man can live about 40 days without food, about three days without water, about eight minutes without air, but only for one second without hope. Now, hope is not wishful thinking. That's the world's definition of hope. Just, just wishful. I, I, I hope things get better tomorrow. That's wishful thinking. No, biblical hope and the kind of hope that you'll find in Jesus Christ is the confident expectation that God will do what He says He will do. And it's rooted in the promises of the Word of God. Jesus does not merely lead you to the light. He is the light. Choose to follow him today and you'll never walk in darkness or confusion again.
Need prayer today? Stop by somethinggoodradio.org anytime to share your request with us. Click on Explore and then look for the How Can We Pray For You option. Hello, friend. I'm Ron Jones of Something Good Radio. All Scripture is profitable for teaching and reproof. But let's face it, God gave us a lot of Scripture. 66 books and more than 600,000 words, and it can sometimes be a little overwhelming to read. That's why I wrote my new book, The Ultimate Road Trip Through the Bible, to help you navigate your way through the highways and byways of God's Word and see how it all fits together so brilliantly, how every path, every passage, and every page points to Jesus, who is the Christ. The book comes in two volumes. Volume one covers the 39 books of the Old Testament, while volume two takes you through each of the 27 New Testament books. Both are now available to order, and I'd love to send them to you today. Here's Brian with details. The Ultimate Road Trip Through the Bible, Volume 1 and 2, can be yours today by request for your gift of $50 or more to support the ministry of something good. When you order the print versions, you'll also get instant access to the Route 66 Digital Library, a $275 value. The online library includes electronic versions of the book, plus video sermons, audio messages, and downloadable sermon notes on all 66 books of the Bible. Visit somethinggoodradio.org to request the two-volume set and to gain immediate access to the Route 66 Digital Library. That's somethinggoodradio.org. Pastor Ron, there are so many good books published every year. Why should someone buy The Ultimate Road Trip Through the Bible? And who did you have in mind when you wrote these literary travel guides through the Old and New Testaments? You know, Brian, your questions make me think of the words of wise Solomon in Ecclesiastes 12 and verse 12. Of the making of many books, he writes, there is no end. And oh, how true that is. For what it's worth, as a Bible teaching pastor for more than 30 years, the ultimate road trip through the Bible is my way of helping people understand the overall story of Scripture and how all 66 books of the Bible fit together into a unified work of the Holy Spirit. I wrote with all kinds of people in mind, starting with the serious Bible student, even those who teach the Bible. I'm thinking of pastors, Sunday school teachers, and small group Bible study leaders who might use these two volumes in their preparation. But I also wrote for the person who is just getting acquainted with the Bible, which we all know is the best-selling book of all time. Brian, you can read The Ultimate Road Trip Through the Bible from beginning to end like any other book, or place it in your Bible study toolbox. I know that if you're a lifelong learner of God's Word as I am, you will return to The Ultimate Road Trip Through the Bible repeatedly. As companions to your personal Bible study, these books will always help you see the big picture before you dive into the details of any book of the Bible. That's why I'll be ordering my own copy, Pastor Ron. We're so glad you decided to share this important book with us. And you can get your copy today by going to somethinggoodradio.org. Both volumes of this great resource are yours for a gift of $50 or more to support the ministry of Something Good. Give online at somethinggoodradio.org or over the phone by calling our offices at 757-276-1099 or mail your gift to P.O. Box 6245, Virginia Beach, Virginia, 23456. 
You have a relationship with God. You are a child of God by faith in Jesus. That can never change. It can never be taken away from you. But there are times that we're not in fellowship with God. We're just not tracking with Him. He's always tracked, you know, and what breaks our fellowship? Remember that dark place in your heart that you go to once in a while? It's called sin. And just because you became a, a follower of Jesus Christ, it didn't eradicate the sin nature. It just put the, uh, another nature in you, the, the spirit of life and the Holy Spirit. And now you've got the old nature that wants to pull you this direction and the new nature that wants to pull you this direction. And you've got a choice to make every day, every moment of the day. That's what it means to walk in the spirit and to walk in the light. But if we choose disobedience rather than obedience at that very moment, guess what? It breaks our fellowship with God. That's tomorrow in part two of Ron's message, The Light of the World. Join us then for Something Good. For Ron and the entire team here at Something Good Radio, I'm Brian Davis saying so long and thanks for listening.